When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Do you guys want to keep talking? About what's annoying for a few seconds so I can inhale a hot dog quick. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I ate two hot dogs today. <laughs> okay. I I fully support this, but please chew. Um, just I don't want to see you choke to death on camera. I won't unhinge my jaw and just like shove it down my throat. I yeah, don't go preferably not. Pi- don't yeah. go full python. That would be like just yeah, don't do that. And she's like, watch me try out for this eating competition. gross i don't understand how people do that with a whole bunch of water and they just slurp the whole things they do it by being disgusting yeah right how do you do that to your stomach i mean it takes a skill you you have to train for it literally people train for it it takes a skill but come on not an athletic skill but it's a skill yeah exactly there's nothing athletic about it that'd be like sport no. No? No. <laughs> Chess is a game. <laughs> and I will die on this hill. It's not a sport. Well, but baseball's a game. Baseball's a sport. <laughs> it's like as a hot dog a sandwich. A hot dog's not a sandwich, and I'll also die on that hill. I think a hot dog is a sandwich. It's not, Emily. How dare you? It's on a bun. A hamburger's on a bun. Buns Sub- can- Buns can go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) You put toppings on it, just the same thing as you would a hamburger, and a hamburger is considered a sandwich. Emily, you're making me really sad. (laughs) Like, I'm deeply depressed right now. I heard one of the biggest arguments for why hot dogs aren't sandwiches is because they have a whole separate section on menus. (laughs) Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the same section. See, Or they would be in the same section. I just feel like it's not. I'm sorry. It's just it's not a sandwich. I don't. I I can't. It's a tube of meat. I'm upset about it. Like I don't want it to be a thing. I don't like sausage either. To be fair, like it's just so disgusting tube of meat, and I can't let it go. I, like I still hot eat hot dog. I still eat hot dogs, but that doesn't mean I'm okay with like knowing how they're made. Yeah, I just don't think about it while I'm eating it. Then yeah. you would not like the kind of hot dogs I like to eat. Why? What do you? Are mean? they like the natural casing ones? I love the natural casing wieners. Oh my the god! The ones that kind of like crunch and make that little pop the sound. One, yeah, I was say, the ones that kind of pop. <laughs> I love that. That's I like my those favorite. <laughs> I like getting the ones from like the butcher shop because mm. our local. It's a few towns over, but our local book, butcher shop um makes a lot of their own bratwurst and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. That makes me want to die. 
I just love a mouthful of sausage and wieners. It's just great. Of course you do. I do. <laughs> it's good stuff. I'm just horrified by like everything that I know about how they make them. And I try not to think about, I don't, first of all, I don't eat sausage at all. Cause like, no, I am ashamed that I went back to eating hot dogs after many years of not eating hot dogs on principle. Oh, I love hot dogs. I think most food is made, if you really think about how it's made, it's freaking gross. I'm not going into what. I'm just saying. I'll starve to death, Em. I will (laughs) starve to death. There's a reason I didn't mention specific foods. (laughs) I will starve to death. I'm not doing that to you. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is a mix of South African urban legends. I'm your hostess, Lindsay, and with me are the majestic and mirthful Emily and Ashley. Hey, I like those. Those are fun. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. Mirthful. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. I'm not sure, like... I love that we're all doing the alliteration thing now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you; it makes it makes my weird brain very happy. I don't I don't know if majestic works for somebody who regularly walks into walls. You're majestically awkward. How do yes? You? Okay, that's fair. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> You're a majestic unicorn, and I love you. <laughs> all right. To start off the evening, you may want to avoid entering the woman's bathroom on Wednesdays, especially if you're a mean girl. Um, where do you go to the bathroom then? The men's yeah. bathroom? Yeah, right? <laughs> Use a urinal. Got Just it. Hold it for the whole day. Wednesdays is it's fast day. You don't have any liquids. Wednesdays is squatty potty day. Oh, no. Just go out in the oh, woods. No. <laughs> oh, no. Not the squatty potty. <laughs> so before we dive into our first dish, I must give a word of warning. This tale will include mentions of sexual assault. I'm not going to say the R word. So if that is something that is triggering for you, please use discretion. We all know the dangers that sometimes lurk at schools, but in South Africa, one danger in particular lives in the girls' bathroom. Moaning Myrtle. That's what I was thinking. I wish it was Moaning Myrtle. Then I'd hang out in the bathroom all the time. I don't know. She's kind of annoying. (laughs) I'm telling secrets with a ghost. I don't want to go to math. This creature, monster, spirit, or specter will commit any number of gruesome offenses against those who anger it, including injuries, sexual assault, and murder. Just stick to breaking femurs. Come on. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, or just, you know, ghost heads in the toilets, something scary, but does it have to escalate so much? Yep. Or like her. Or like murder, bloody, or like Bloody Mary in the mirror. <laughs> Don't like that. That's fair. Don't like it. Known as Pinky Pinky or Umdlwenguli Obamvu. I apologize to everyone in South Africa. <laughs> the entity has rose-tinted skin and eyes, shocking pink hair, one hand that is a paw and another that is a claw. What kind of claw? It's very important. I hope it's like a metal one. 
like a hook Damn hand. It. I was hoping it was like a lobster claw. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would, be, that would work Either with the pinky cool. pinky. Mm-hmm. Either is cool, but I just like feel the need to picture it a specific way. And that's fine. <laughs> now I'm picturing Zoidberg out of his <laughs> <laughs> when he sheds. Yeah. <laughs> it is said to resemble a tokloshi, which M mentioned in her cryptid episode. It's believed that men are unable to see this creature but can still be attacked by it. Sorry. Invisible attacks always make me giggle because I just, like, imagine what it would look like if you witnessed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the see if he matches your energy stuff on TikTok. Have you seen those videos? No. Where women start freaking out at nothing and they're the men are like, what the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, they're funny. I yeah. don't tick or talk, so I I don't know. It's probably for the best. I tend to get into a time suck when it comes to the tiki yes. talk. Mm-hmm. Pinky Pinky appears to be androgynous, though it often appears in the guise of a woman, one whose soul has been trapped in the girls' toilets and whose footsteps can be heard in the hallways just outside the bathroom door. It would often make its presence known by singing a song, asking you to be friends, before demanding any and all items you had on you that were the color pink, particularly pink underwear. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know how. I just, like, I knew you were going to say that. That's Mm -hmm. just so weird. Refuse, and the creature will become angry and attack. Numerous sightings of this creature were reported in the early 1990s, And although the number of sightings and attacks have steadily decreased over time, they haven't gone away entirely. In fact, some parts of South Africa take reports of this creature so seriously that headmasters have closed their schools in an effort to protect their students, and police investigations have been conducted when reports of this creature are made. That's wild. Yeah. Johannesburg-based photographer Lutendo Malachi I apologize if I said your name wrong. I'm sure I did, and I apologize. Researched the legend of Pinky Pinky as part of an art project to try and unravel the real truth behind it and why this entity only seems to target young girls. Rumors started when girls would go missing, with the premise being that they would be taken while they were in the bathroom. According to Latendo's grandmother, she was taught that the legend was a way to keep girls off the streets in an effort to keep them safe. Mm. Many parents would tell their children stories about Pinky Pinky so they wouldn't break curfew. It's a boogeyman. Yeah. yeah, there's always a scary like, don't do this or you'll get it'll get you. When the, yep. it of course varies from place to place. Yeah, but. can't just be like, hey, there are bad people out there and you might literally die and we'll never yep. see you again. Um, actually, my mom did go without one. That's what I do with my kids. I'll be straight up yeah. real with you. Yep. She was like, if you keep wandering off, you're going to get kidnapped by a stranger and they'll kill you. And I was like, okay. And then I kept wandering off anyway. So That's what I tell my <laughs> kids. I'm like, you're going to get abducted. Someone's going to take you and you're going to get murdered. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that. <laughs> True crime people. <laughs> Scarring their kids. <laughs> <laughs> We're still alive, though. So, yeah. Lindsay, to point out that it worked and Emily's kids are still alive so Mm -hmm. just saying and they're totally kidnappable because they're so cute 
but you might be scarred for life. <laughs> I don't, but you'll I don't have know. a long life because you'll still be alive because you'll trust no one. <laughs> yep. Even so, the folklore surrounding this creature seems to go back even farther, centuries, in fact, in Zulu history. In folklore, the creature is said to be part man, part woman, who preys on young girls, especially those who wear pink, not only during the day, but also in their nightmares. Huh. Yeah. Don't like that. That's like Freddy Krueger-esque. I don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, a film was released in 2020 named Pinky Pinky. And I'm going to give you a brief rundown of the plot, so I guess spoiler alert if you really want to watch the movie. The movie starts with a warlock. There was a warlock. There was a there was a there was a name. There was a like a tribal name. I was not going to try and say it. I could not translate it anywhere. So I'm just going to call it a warlock, which is what it translated out to be. Listen, I don't know what I expected you to say. It just wasn't that. It just wasn't a warlock, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense considering the uh, the history of witchcraft and the belief in witchcraft in the area. So. Yep. Pinky, pinky. So the movie starts with a warlock providing a woman with muti mm-hmm. so she can bring a man back from the dead. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. The woman is warned that if the man is evil... Once he is brought back to the land of the living, that evil will multiply tenfold. My God, I'm getting practical magic vibes so right? hard. Yes. That's called foreshadowing. I don't <laughs> like this at all. I'm feeling very into sisters right now. Uh, uh, no, hate that guy. Not Goran Vizhnik. He is an attractive man, but that character is the yes, worst. Yes, I agree. It is at this point that we are introduced to Namzamo, who is a young girl that visits the grave of her twin sister before she heads off to boarding school. Namava, her twin, is revealed to have completed suicide as a result of their uncle sexually abusing them. So it starts off strong. Yeah, that's a charmer. Yep. Upon arriving at the school... Namzamo sees a life-size portrait of the former principal of the school, a portrait whose subject follows Namzamo with its eyes as she walks past. Gross. Are we just going to hit, like, every single thing that I'm, right? like, ugh, about in this movie? I should never it's, watch this. It's going to keep hitting all the tropes, I promise. That's like, I don't like the eyeball thing. I don't like it. Yep. It's like Ghostbusters 2. Yep. With the really Ooh. creepy, yeah. Yes. Really creepy portrait, yeah. Ew, yeah, totally. That's kind of what I pictured when I was reading this description. <laughs> I was like, yep, it's that guy. <laughs> Don't like that. Woo! Nope. <laughs> it's later revealed that this former principal was in fact murdered during an altercation after it was discovered that he had been sexually assaulting girls attending his school. Mm. Oh my god. Great. And surprise, surprise, this man is the one who is resurrected by the woman that we're introduced to at the beginning of the movie. Okay, I have a lot of problems with this woman now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Don't do it! God damn it. Yeah. This entity, which looks like a cross between a zombie and a ghost, 
haunts the girls' toilets and steals the souls of the young girls. Although his appearance is terrifying, with his charred skin reminiscent of Freddy Krueger, the real horror that the film drives home is the fact that for the Black women of South Africa, Pinky Pinky is a symbol of how no one is safe from the men in their lives, especially when at their most vulnerable. Because you're never more vulnerable than when you're in the toilet. Because you literally have your pants down. As they established in Zombie Land. Yep. Yep. That I mean, sucks. Think about it. Even here in the United States, worlds away from South Africa, how many women can say that they've ever traveled in groups or in a pair when going to the bathroom? Mm-hmm. And there was just something in the news the other day about a guy who got caught um, w- with a video camera inside a women's toilet in a public toilet. Yep. Thank you, universe. Yep. yep. Even here. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and it's just one of those things where it's like, has anybody ever stopped to question why we do that? You know, I mean, I assume it was just to gossip, (laughs) but I guess maybe not. I think it's more of a psychological thing, like safety, like on some base level, we know safety in numbers for whatever reason, especially when you're going to the bathroom. Like, I don't know. And historically speaking, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. Time has trained us and taught us that this is what we need to do to protect ourselves. Yep. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a 2021 tagged online article titled The True Horror in Pinky Pinky is That We Aren't Safe from Femicide and Sexual Abuse by Esanako Ndbunny. I'm sorry. I did my best. 2020 Max Gax blogspot article titled 10 Top 10 Scary South African Urban Legends. A 2018 The South African t- article titled Six Creepy Urban Legends from the Dark Heart of South Africa by Tom Head. 2017 Horror Fuel article titled The World of Urban Legends, Pinky Pinky by Captain McNeely. I don't think that's his real name. <laughs> The 2016 The South African article titled Your Childhood Myth Tormentor Pinky Pinky comes to life in this conceptual imagery series by Simamkele Matuntata. Matuntuta. Again, I am so sorry. And a 2015 JHB Live article titled The Legend of Pinky Pinky by Luleka Munyani. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just blanket, blanket apology this entire episode because I'm going to say things wrong and I am so sorry. It's tough when there are letter combinations that we don't come across commonly. So we don't know how to make that sound appropriately. And a lot of places online do not translate this. And it's, that's really hard. Mm -hmm. So. Not that that's an excuse. I am trying, but I'm sorry. So now that we've had a taste, I'll be right back with another creepy urban legend. But while I'm gone, consider heading on over to Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Podchaser, or Spotify to let other patrons know how you feel about the pizzeria. Every five-star rating and review really helps us out. It does. Enjoying the meal? Consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podchaser, Good Pods, or Spotify. 
it's free, and it helps our little restaurant get noticed by others with your spectacularly good taste. If you want to help support the restaurant, you can rock some of our merch from our Tea Public shop or buy us a fresh slice on Buy Me a Coffee because we can never get enough. If you simply can't get enough pineapple pizza, become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. You can find all the links to our social media, streaming platforms, and support pages in the show notes and on pineapplepizzapodcast.com. That's pineapplepizzapodcast.com. Thanks for waiting. The next course is so terrifying, it may just trap you in your seat forever. (gasps) Forever. You know that no episode of mine is complete without a good ghost story. Oh, I thought you were going to say cannibalism. Not in this one. Cannibalism. (laughs) Boy, did South Africa deliver. Cape Town is not only the capital of South Africa, it's also the second most populated city behind Johannesburg. Yes. Located at the southernmost tip of the African continent, it's home to South Africa's oldest building, the Castle of Good Hope. Oh, yeah. I know this building. I don't, but I'm excited about it because you said castle. And I said ghosts. (laughs) The castle story starts with a shipwreck. When on March 25th, 1647, a Dutchman named Denua Harlan who was on his way to Holland from the East Indies, ran aground near present-day Milton. Junior merchant Leendert Janssen, I love these names so much, was told to stay (laughs) with the ship, 60 crew, and the cargo after other members of their crew boarded other ships in their fleet to sail on to Holland. So he's like, you stay here, we'll be back. We don't know when. Six months later. (laughs) As they waited, Leendert and the remaining crew survived by growing vegetables, catching fish, and even bartered fresh meat from the indigenous peoples of South Africa. Upon his eventual return to Holland, Leendert and another officer named Nicolas Prout were asked to put together a report for the Dutch East India Company detailing the feasibility of establishing a permanent settlement on the Cape. The report fully supported the idea of a refreshment station for the fleet, and this idea was backed by Jan van Riebeek, who picked up the rest of Harlem's crew before returning them to Holland. The original structure, the Fort of Good Hope, was made in 1652 by merchant Jan van Riebeek. Jan set out for the Cape in 1651 with 79 men and eight women. The numbers are a little skewed. Yep, don't like those numbers. No. No. Mm -mm. This refreshment station, which was built on the site of present-day Grand Parade, was made of clay and timber and supplied ships passing in the dangerous waters around the Cape. It makes sense that they would want to rebuild something a bit more stable later on. It was fortified in 1666 by the Dutch East India Company as a pentagonal or bastion fortress and constructed as a stronghold against the potential threat of war 
between England and the Netherlands as they fought over trade rights. Yeah. Uh Yeah, we kind of do that. Or they kind of do that. England did not really enjoy the Dutch. So, Or sharing. Or, you know, really anything that wasn't English. Yeah. To be fair. Well, the Dutch didn't either, to be fair. (laughs) So. I know, but I like to rag on the English. (laughs) Yeah. Zacharias Wagner laid the four cornerstones of the castle, while the bulk of the work constructing the fortress with stone was done by slaves, sailors, and soldiers until its completion 13 years later in 1679. It's a good thing the uh, attack wasn't that imminent. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Like, whoops. (laughs) They finished eventually. They got there. Year 12, they get attacked. They're like, damn it, we were this close. (laughs) We're almost there. I picture like the bricklayer guy, like the wall gets knocked down and he's just like, (sighs) and then he goes and gets another like slab of cement (laughs) to like rebuild the wall. It's going to be like the cartoons where they're like packing it in as fast as they can. Like, let's go, let's go. They're coming, they're coming. (laughs) I see him on the horizon. Each of the bastions of the fortress is named after the various titles held by... William III von Oranje Nassau. Nassau. Oh, so William of Orange? William of Orange, yep. So Oranje, Nassau, Leerdam, Burin, and Katzelnellenbogen. Yes. Sure. They're Dutch. what they are i had no idea i just like talking with that accent (laughs) each bastion was home to its own garrison storerooms magazine for munitions as well as smithies and bakeries it's a really good thing you clarified the magazine right i was like copies of people (laughs) (laughs) A bell tower was built in 1684, and the original bell that was made in Amsterdam 13 years later in 1697 still hangs in the bell tower to this day. That's cool. Yeah. Weighing over 660 pounds, or 300 kilograms, the bell was used not only to announce the time, but also served as a warning device as its tolls could be heard for miles. (laughs) A long ways. Oh, I was like thinking that you were going to be like, it was also used as a weapon. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a pretty good weapon. Uh, In 1695, the cat, which was a defensive wall built diagonally across the courtyard to prevent a land attack, was completed. It housed the homes of the governor and the secund, or second in command, as well as was the home of a large council hall that doubled as a church. The fortress wasn't just a military operation. It also was home to a bakery, living quarters, shops, a church, and our favorite, cells and a dungeon. Yay! I mean, what fortress isn't is, is complete without that, really. If there's not one on the Zillow listing, I'm just going to pass right on by. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. It must be dank. Yep. 
<laughs> I need me a dank dungeon. That's that's non-negotiable. It also operated as the seat of government for the Dutch East India Company until 1795, when the colony was occupied by, by the British. Yep, there they are. Woo! <laughs> you knew they were coming. They're always coming, just ask Paul Revere. Speaking of dungeons, a section of the castle was dedicated to housing prisoners during the Second Boer or Farmer War from 1899 to 1902. And the dungeon earned itself the charming name of the Dunkerhut or Dark Hole, since it had no windows <laughs> and was essentially a glorified torture chamber. Oh. Was it a moist dark hole? Probably. Probably. Dunkerhut was my nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but it's always a fun joke. <laughs> fun fact. Because the castle was built so close to the Cape, in the winter, the dungeon would fill up with up to three feet of water. And any <gasps> prisoners unlucky enough to be chained to the walls at that time would most often drown. That sucks. I guess at least sharks couldn't get in. Haunted. Once the main location for military and government matters until the first half of the 19th century, that's 1800s, it also served as the residence for the governor of the Cape. The castle served as a political center until the Union of South Africa in 1910 and was turned over to the South African National Defense Force in 1917. In 1936, the Castle of Good Hope was declared a historical landmark and today is one of the most well-preserved examples of a fortress constructed by the Dutch East India Company. That's cool. Today, many hidden rooms have been uncovered by architects as renovations are being done on the property, and it's believed that many more secrets will continue to be revealed as more restoration projects are conducted. As with any occupation of a country that does not belong to them, mm -hmm the Dutch experienced conflicts with the indigenous people once it became clear that they were there to stay. What? Shocker. I know. Chief Domen of the Horingaikwa Koika at first had a fairly amenable relationship with the Dutch and even acted as an interpreter, but that all changed in May 1659 when he launched the first War of Independence against the colonial invaders. King Setshweo of the Zulu, who had been captured in the Nihome Forest after suffering terrible losses against the British at Kambulao, at Kambula and Ginjalovu, was held as a prisoner at the castle. He was granted permission to travel to England to plead his case to the British politicians, much to the anger of the white colonists of Natal. King Setshweo was known as the ladies' man, oh. due to his striking features and dashing good looks, especially when he was dressed in European attire. So King Sekuhine of the Petty was also imprisoned at the castle after taking part in the war with the Boers in the 1870s. Sekuhine was pushed into war after Theophilus Shepstone, administer of the Transvaal, 
instituted a series of taxes and fines that the petty were unable to comply with following their trouncing of the Boers, which Theophilus saw as a great blow to the white men of Africa. So he was like, fuck you guys, I'm going to charge you lots and lots of money that you can't pay. A few others include Chief Longolibala, no, Longolib, Longolibalil of the Luby, who was also forced into war with the white colonials after the Luby proved they were better farmers than their white counterparts of the Natal <laughs> foothills. What? These people who've lived here actually understand how to grow things on the land? What? As you could have guessed, the Castle of Good Hope is believed to be soups haunted, and many of the guards who work the night shift at the castle refuse to walk the full perimeter of the grounds, preferring to stay in the halls of the actual castle due to the number of paranormal encounters many have experienced. That sounds like a pretty nice target then, because they know there are going to be blind spots that they don't go check out. Yep. One famous haunting is that of General Peter Heisbert van Nuit. Peter worked at the castle in the 18th century, so the 1700s, and on April 23rd, 1728, he was in charge of sentencing, of sentencing four soldiers to death at the gallows. According to him, they were guilty of desertion, but the court counsel disagreed, believing that the death penalty was an illegal punishment for the four men, who they instead wished to banish to Batavia. The general pulled a number of strings in order to see this ruling overturned so he could execute the men how he originally planned. Why are you so excited about the gallows, dude? Calm down. Mm. Seriously. As the men were brought upon the platform to be hanged, one of the soldiers demanded the general to watch the executions. When Peter refused, the soldier used his opportunity to say some last words to curse the general, stating that he would one day face divine retribution. In an odd twist of fate, Peter was found dead later that same day by officers who went to tell him of the successful hangings, slumped over his desk with a look of profound shock on his face. Many believe he died of a sudden heart attack, but it's hard to say for sure. Yeah. Many have reported seeing the general cursing and pacing the castle hallways. He's also been seen at a nearby house called the Roost in Frucht that is believed to be connected to the castle via a secret passageway. You probably won't be shocked when I tell you that this house has been dubbed as the most haunted in Cape Town. No, really not. If they think it's connected to another really haunted place. <laughs> yeah. And no castle haunting would be complete without a female spirit. In the case of the Castle of Good Hope, this specter is Lady Anne Barnard, who spent five years living in the castle starting in 1797. During her time amongst the living, she was the wife of the castle's colonial secretary and held the title of the First Lady of the Colony. She was known to have hosted a number of events at the castle, and she is often found in attendance at any number of important social functions that are held at the castle, and always while wearing one of her most extravagant ball gowns from the late 18th, early 19th centuries. 
During her life, she was also said to be quite fond of bathing in what was known as the dolphin pool, which was eventually discovered and restored to its former glory thanks to drawings and detailed descriptions that Lady Anne left behind. As a result, she is also often seen at one of her favorite spots in the castle. It's rumored that she was quite the adventurous woman, often bathing naked in the pool, although there is some dispute between historians regarding this point, as this type of activity would have been considered quite scandalous at the time. Yeah. Yeah. However, there is a number of records from Bath, England, that several British women would visit the public bathhouses and also enjoy their time there in the nude, leading some scholars to think that ladies of the Victorian era may not have been as straight-laced as we have been led to believe. Well, this would have been late 1700s, early 1800s, though, right? Yes. That would have been pre-Victorian. Oh, yeah. I think that would have still been a Georgian. Georgian? Yeah, I think that would have been Georgian. I think that was who preceded Victoria. So, yeah, maybe they mm-hmm. weren't as straight. Maybe they hadn't gotten to the straight-laced part maybe. yet. Plus, it's probably pretty hot down there, and you're like, just get it all off. Yep. <laughs> I want to go for a dip. Yep. Lady Anne kept a very detailed record of her life and time at the castle, with one section of her notes describing an encounter with an officer at the castle who voiced his discomfort with her diving into the pool naked. Oh, no. As a result, Lady Anne had a set of stairs built so that she could walk into the pool instead of diving into it. (laughs) It's much classier this way. Mm, that's sassy sassy af yeah she was also rumored to bathe naked in the stream on table mountain from time to time so i don't think this lady was very buttoned up if her tendency towards exhibitionism is anything to go by and fun fact lady anne was in her 40s when she moved into the castle and her husband was 12 years her junior Okay, Can't that relate. solidifies it. I feel like she just had a rockin' bod, and she was like, I don't care who sees it, because, like, look at me. I'm stunning. Yep. And no castle haunting would be complete without a lady in gray. Yay! Now, I only saw this ghost mentioned in one source, so take it as you will, but I figured I'd include it, because why not? The lady in gray is said to be one of the most popular ghosts seen at the castle, She is often discovered with her hands covering her face, making it appear as if she is crying. She has also been sighted at the government house, or the Rustenfrucht, where it is believed she traverses using the secret passage that I mentioned earlier. She must just really really like hidden passages. Has anybody actually found this hidden passage? Or is it, I thought it was just rumored to be there. I think it's an underground passage between the two. Oh, okay. I I really hope that's true. I want that to be true. I'm going to go ahead and say escape tunnels. Escape tunnels. Because why not? Mm-hmm. And we should go sit in those tunnels and just watch them walk back and forth. All these ghosts just going for their nightly stroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I might be into it, but we need to figure out how big the tunnel is first because I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I don't want to freak out when we're down there. Well, it fits a ball gown. A ghostly ball gown anyway. And we have determined that you do lose mass when you die, right? That's true. You shrink. Yeah. You do. It was noted that the skeletal remains of a woman were recently discovered during an excavation 
effort. Many believe them to be the remains of the Lady in Grey, as her apparitions have ceased since the discovery of the bones. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, the antics of the General, Lady Anne, and the Lady in Grey are the tamest of the spirits that seem to call the castle home. Oh, no. Even though there are a number of benign ghosts that supposedly haunt the property, including a vicious black dog that tends to be seen patrolling the castle grounds, lunging at people before it disappears into thin air, there are also a number of spirits that are said to cause a bit more of a stir. Mm-mm. One night, very early in the morning, a couple of guards who were patrolling the castle suddenly hear- heard the sound of someone screaming for help from the dungeons. Upon investigation, the rooms were found to be quite empty, although the guard reported feeling as if the room was several degrees cooler than the rest of the castle, not to mention that there was someone in the room with him that he could not see. Ew. Ew, that just gave me chills. That's creepy, hearing Mm -hmm. screaming and then going and just being able to, you know that feeling when you feel like there's somebody there. But yeah. Not only that, but several nighttime guards refused to patrol near the dungeons, specifically Dunkerhut, as many report feeling an overwhelming presence that seems to want to suck them into the room. No. No. Mm-mm. That's horrible. Someone, someone murdered a whirlpool in there, didn't they? <laughs> they don't have the braided hair to help them. I was just thinking. <laughs> Damn you, braided hair. <laughs> there aren't enough virgins. <laughs> Whoops. One thing that makes the hauntings of this castle stand out is the fact that these paranormal experiences can happen to anyone. One famous report was made in 1952, when a couple were granted special permission to stay in the castle during the Van, Re- the Van Rebeater Festival. The pair were suddenly woken in the middle of the night by the sounds and sights of a lance corporal running around their room calling for soldiers. After asking the man what was going on, he told the couple that bus drivers and conductors were rioting in the streets and he and his men needed to do something. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? Just the bus drivers. They're real pissed off. We got to protect the world from bus drivers, apparently. Yeah. The following morning, the couple asked some castle staff about the events from the previous evening, and none of them had any idea what they were talking about. Other paranormal activities that have been reported include the sound of voices and footsteps in the dungeon and in the corridors, not to mention that the bell and the tower will sometimes start ringing on its own. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, there's a perfectly good explanation to a bell ringing. Mm-hmm. What you may not know is that the bell tower was bricked up centuries ago after a soldier supposedly completed suicide by hanging himself with the bell rope. <gasps> I know that I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to anyway. That's a pretty epic way to go. Yeah. Yeah. There have been numerous reports of a tall, luminous man that is seen leaping off the castle walls, and he disappears right before striking the ground. Ooh, that's creepy. Near the guard's room, the voices of a heated argument between a man and a woman can also be heard. If you're brave enough to investigate, a shapeless figure is often seen. 
Mm-hmm. I don't like that. It's a potato. It's just a blob. <laughs> oh my god, I hope it is a potato. I wish I would see a ghostly potato. <laughs> I'm a tuber. <laughs> I'm such a dork. Today you can visit the castle, which is home to the Castle Military Museum, as well as the ceremonial facilities that are used for the traditional Cape regiments. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a 2022 A Little House of Horrors blog post titled Castle of Good Hope, 2021 Attic Voices article titled The Castle of Good Hope, 2021 Ranker article titled Creepy African Legends and Myths by John Lennon. I'm sorry, Jen Lennon. John Lennon came Too back late from the you dead. Said John Lennon. <laughs> it is a ghost story. I really like African legends <laughs> and the myths. A 2020 Max Gax blog post article titled Top 10 Scary South African Urban Legends. 2018 Castle of Good Hope article titled Discover Castles Ghostly Past by the Cape Times. 2018, the South African article titled Six Creepy Urban Legends from the Dark Heart of South Africa by Tom Head. 2016, the Culture Trip article titled A Brief History of the Castle of Good Hope, Cape Town by Lee Shea Collision. That is a horrible last name. I am sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for your terrible last name. (laughs) That is awful. A 2014 Travel Ground article titled 11 South African Ghosts and Legends by Rosiana McBain and Road Travel article titled A Few South African Myths and Legends. Thirsty? I'll grab you a refill and be right back. Oh, and did I mention that we have lots of bonus content that can only be found on our Patreon? After you leave the restaurant, check out the link in our show notes and the three affordable options we offer to get more great tasting pizza pizza each month. Hey there, friend. My name's Sarai, and I host a spooky, casual podcast called Freaky AF, where I tell you stories of conspiracies, true crime, and of the supernatural. So if that's your kind of shiz, come check us out. I'm sure we'll be great friends. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, and a bunch of other places. Or you can look us up on Twitter and Instagram, where Freaky AF Pod, that's F-R-E-A-K-Y. A-F-P-O-D. Come get spooked, y'all. I hope you've saved room for dessert, as this is a famously popular dish that's both wet and a little wild. Uh-oh. Wet, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Staying in Cape Town, the last dish of the evening involves one of our favorites, A ghost ship. Yay. But not just any ghost ship. I'll be discussing the story of Dear Fliegend Hollandar, which is more commonly known as the Flying Dutchman. Yes! We're here for it. I had to do it. got way too excited about it. (laughs) The ship, which was made popular by the Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise, is one that's doomed to sail forever. Its appearance is said to be a bad omen to sailors. The legend of the ship itself, at least in the most common telling, is that the captain of the vessel, Van der Deken, makes a deal and gambles away his eternal soul by making a pledge to round the Cape of Good Hope during a storm. 
As such, he is doomed to repeat the course for all of eternity. This version is the one that the opera Der Fliegend Hollander, composed in 1843 by German composer Richard Wagner, is based on. We'll come back to this one later. Other tellings state that Captain Falkenberg sails forever through the North Sea, playing a game of dice to try and get his soul back from the devil. The trope of the dice game is repeated several times among maritime legends, such as in the 1798 tale Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by English poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge, in which the mariner spies a ghost ship on which life and death play a game of dice to see who will win the unlucky mariner's soul. Yep, that's a good one. Highly recommend. Do If you read things, I highly recommend. If you don't read things, Shame on you. (laughs) Why aren't you reading things? (laughs) Sir Walter Scott used the legend of the Flying Dutchman as the basis of his 1813 narrative poem, Rokeby, in which a murder is committed aboard the ship, and not only that, but a plague breaks out as well, stranding the crew aboard the ship as they are not allowed to dock at any ports. How have I not read that one? Come on! That one sounds good. Sounds awesome. I'm looking that up later. (laughs) By far the most famous of the legends is the the version that is depicted in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Mm. The Dutchman, whose purpose was to collect the souls of all those who died at sea and ferry them to the afterlife, quickly became a vessel feared by all across the seven seas during the golden age of piracy. In this version of the legend, (laughs) the flying Dutch... Sorry, I was just remembering that on a podcast episode, and I literally can't even remember whose podcast it was now, so I'm so sorry that I can't give you a legit shout out. But someone did an episode and it's like, turns out the golden age of piracy was like really fucking short. It was. It, it was. was. It was like five years, something like that. It was like really, really short. <laughs> and you're like, okay, guys, I think we need to chat about the definition of age because we're using it wrong, but that's fine. Yeah, it was like five years. It, it was very short. Yeah. But it was a really uh, action-packed five years. Those five years, though. The goldenest of the ages. (laughs) (laughs) All the pirating. (laughs) We walked so many planks. (laughs) We sailed so many seas. (laughs) In this version of the legend, the Flying Dutchman is captained by Davy Jones, who is given the ship by his love Calypso, the goddess of the sea. Calypso. Yeah. (laughs) Calypso tasked Davy Jones with ferrying the souls of those who had died at sea to the next world. This dimension that the Flying Dutchman passed through became known as Davy Jones' locker. And if he completed this task for 10 years, he would once again be allowed to come ashore to be with his true love, Calypso, for one day. However, when Davy came ashore, he was never able to find his precious Calypso. This betrayal breaks Davy's heart, and as a result, he refuses to once again pirate the Dutchman for the purpose of helping the souls of the dead. Instead, Davy Jones meets up with the First Brethren Court when they convene and allies himself with them in an effort to take Calypso's ability to rule the seas away from her. 
Davy, using the help of the brethren, is able to trick Calypso into taking human form before they bind her, preventing her from returning to the sea. After this, Davy carves out his own heart and places a terrible curse upon it and the flying Dutchman. Whoever is able to stab his heart, theirs must then take his place and be bound to the Dutchman as its captain. As a result of this curse, not only was Davy changed, but the Dutchman changed as well, its crew transforming into human-slash-sea creature hybrids, with some of the crew even becoming part of the ship itself if their service to her lasted too long. It's believed the ship of legend was once part of a fleet owned by the Dutch East India Company that traveled between the Netherlands and the East Indies. Its last voyage was in 1641 under the direction of Captain Heinrich van der Decken. During their voyage to the East Indies, everything went as planned. It was only as the vessel ventured back to the Netherlands that the course of its place in history would be forever changed. Captain Heinrich wanted to return to Amsterdam as quickly as possible, so in an effort to shave off some time, he opted to take the shortest route, which would be around the Cape of Good Hope. On that fateful day, a terrifying storm blew up, and the crew begged the captain to turn back. It wouldn't be a legend if there weren't multiple versions of this tale. In one, Captain Heinrich realizes his error and turns the ship around to dock it safely in the harbor until it blows over. In later tellings, he pushed on because he was either drunk or had gone mad. I vote for drunk. Woo! (laughs) Drunk on a boat does not sound like fun. No. Mm -mm. In this telling, he orders the ship into the storm, during which the crew mutinies in the hope that they could wrestle control of the Dutchman out of the captain's hands in order to save themselves. Unfortunately for the crew, the mutiny failed. Captain Heinrich kills the leader of the mutiny, throwing his corpse overboard before shouting that he would complete the journey no matter what, even if he had to wait until doomsday. I want to believe that he shouted yeet. (laughs) (laughs) I want him to be like, avast! Avast yeet! (laughs) (laughs) See you never! Once this phrase had been uttered, an angel supposedly appeared and challenged the captain's words. It's a legend. Completely unhinged at this point, the captain repeated himself, thereby sealing the fate of not only himself, but his ship and crew as well. Okay, that's not a very cool angel. No. just want to put that out there. Like, okay, fine, punish that guy, because apparently he sucks and he'll just eat your dead body over the side <laughs> of a boat. But, like, why does everybody else have to get punished? They didn't decide. I don't know. Maybe it was Michael. I don't like it. Maybe it was Michael. It was Michael. It. He's vengeful. Yeah, he's yep. kind of a douche. Another telling puts the date either at 1680 or 1729, which is quite the spread. Yeah. So... Get your shit together, guys. Um, In this other version, it is the devil that appears before Captain Heinrich, not an angel, and Satan condemns him, forcing the captain to sail the seas for all time. But he does get a get-out-of-jail-free card. He can redeem the lives of himself and his crew by winning the affections of a faithful woman. In this telling, 
the captain is able to return to land once every seven years in search of a woman to break his curse. Regardless of the telling, the ship, its captain, and its crew were all lost in the storm. That doesn't mean they've been lost forever, however. Reports of the ghostly vessel have been shared all over the world, seen floating above the ocean waves or just below like a great whale beneath the water. Ew, that's creepy. I hadn't heard of that. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. The first mention of the fabled ghost ship in print was released in 1790 in a book by John MacDonald titled Travels in Various Parts of Europe, Asia, and Africa During a Series of 30 Years and Upwards. Okay, that's not how you get people's attention. You're going to need to work on your titling. Right? <laughs> These old titles are always so ridiculously long. I know. It's like, like put get intrigue. Have some mystery to it. <laughs> Like, maybe don't tell us every place. Yeah. <laughs> Travel in various parts. During a t- During a certain part of time. Of what? <laughs> Travels to places you'll never see. Because <laughs> I'm rich and you're not. No, I want to be rich. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Subscribe. Subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> Please support our Patreon. I want to sail on the seven seas. I'm going to get so motion sick, but I'll go. I want to go to Europe, Asia, and Africa during a series of 30 years and upwards. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I shall die on the ocean. And be yeeted into the sea. Yes. (laughs) It's the only way to go. 30 years is done. (laughs) Onward and (laughs) upwards! In the book, he stated, quote, the weather was so stormy that the sailors said they saw the flying Dutchman, end quote. A very compelling account of the Dutchman took place on July 11th 1881, by the British Royal Naval vessel, the HMS Bashanti. Prince Albert Victor, his brother, the future King George V, and their tutor, John Neil Dalton, were moored off the Australian coast between Melbourne and Sydney during their three-year-long voyage around the globe. Around 4 a.m., the brothers saw something they never expected. Quote, the flying Dutchman crossed our bows. End quote. The royal report noted the following of the encounter. Quote, a strange red light as of a phantom ship all aglow, in the midst of which light the masts, spars, and sails of a brig 200 yards, yards distant stood out in strong relief as she came up on the port bow. The officer of the watch from the bridge clearly saw her, as did the quarterdeck midshipman, who was sent forward at once to the forecastle. But on arriving, there was no vestige nor any sign whatever of any material ship was to be seen either near or right away to the horizon, the night being clear and the sea calm, end quote. Ooh. 
Man, I just realized how many boat words I don't understand. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't understand any of it. I just There's knew some they, sort of midshipman. I don't know. I just know they moved around the ship. That's all I got they out of that. They saw it and they were like, hey, look, a ship. And then it wasn't there. And that's all that matters. I got that part of it. Yep. And they were like, wait, what? Yep. As if to back up the Dutchman's bad reputation, a postscript was added to the entry that noted the following, quote, at 1045 a.m., the ordinary seaman who had this morning reported the flying Dutchman. <laughs> I know. Just I'm the so ordinary sorry. seaman. Yeah. I tried so hard not I know. to do it. I guess it's better than extraordinary seaman. He was just, you know. So, so. Is it though? Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> Fell from the four topmost cross trees onto the top gallant forecastle and was smashed to atoms. Okay, quote. that sounds amazing though. Like, not for the guy. <laughs> no. <laughs> not for the victim, yeah. to be clear, but that's a really cool description yeah. of a death. Yeah. Kind of like the bell thing. Yep. Everyone hates me now. No, I thought it was fascinating. I was like, wow. That Smashed sucks. to Adams? Smashed That's just to cool Adams. Sounding. I mean, they're up there pretty high, so. Yeah. The Dutchman was sighted by another British vessel in 1835 on a stormy night approaching at full, at full sail on a collision course before it suddenly vanished. Yes. We're playing chicken. Playing you don't know it. with a ghost ship. <laughs> you That's don't know it. fave. Sightings of the Dutchman persisted into the 20th century. In fact, in 1939, the British South Africa Annual noted its appearance to beachgoers at Glencairn Beach in Cape Town. Quote, with uncanny volition, the ship sailed steadily on as the, Glen as the Glencairn beach folk stood about keenly discussing the whys and wherefores of the vessel. Just as the excitement reached its climax, however, the mystery ship vanished into thin air as strangely as it had come, end quote. Dun, dun, dun. Three years later, in 1942, four people in Table Bay near Cape Town reported seeing the Dutchman, as well as a British writer named Nicholas Montserrat, who reported seeing it while serving in the Royal Navy in World War II. A German submarine crew also reported seeing a ghost cool. ship in the Suez Canal, but they're Nazis. So take that how you will. <laughs> After Josh this, Josh will be proud of you for working in the Nazis. I know. I did that for you, Josh. After this report, the vessel was never seen again. So, what's fact and what's fiction? According to many historians, a sea captain named Heinrich Van der Decken has never been found on any records, although some scholars have tried to tie the legend to Dutch Captain Bernard Bernard Foca. Captain Foca's voyages between Java and the Netherlands were notoriously speedy compared to his compatriots, leading many to state that he must be in league with the devil. Because of I course, knew you were going to say that. Mm -hmm. One thing is true. The Cape of Good Hope is known for its shipping disasters. The Cape <laughs> We love those. Uh, I mean it used to be called the Cape of Storms and then they renamed yep. it the Cape of Hope. 
Yep. Um, I feel like maybe we should go back to Cape of Storms. <laughs> they, Cape they, of Doom, <laughs> Doom Cape. <laughs> yeah, they renamed it the Cape of Hope because it was a like a PR thing. They wanted to make it more appealing to people. <laughs> you actually just skipped ahead of my notes. I'm sorry. That was my next thing. <laughs> Emily, I'm sorry. <laughs> the Cape was first navigated by Portuguese explorer Bartolomeu Diaz in 1488 and was originally known as the Cape of Storms for its unpredictably strong currents, unexpected storms, and deadly outcrops. It was renamed by John II of Portugal due to the shortcut it provided to India. Um. So what you're telling me is they were like, we're going to rename it so people are like, hey, this is safe. You should go through here. <laughs> we know it looks scary, but it's safe. It's good hope. Just because you see, like, bits of ship everywhere doesn't mean <laughs> anything bad could happen to you. Just think of it as, like, you know, suggestions to not go that way. Shortcut. <laughs> Can't go wrong. <laughs> One theory to explain why sightings of the Flying Dutchman and other ghost ships used to be so prevalent is the idea of Fata Morgana. These optical illusions, or mirages, are created by reflections of ships sailing far away. With the Uh right atmospheric conditions, a distorted image of the ship can be projected for miles in the air. Considering sailing ships aren't super common these days, it makes sense that no new sightings have been reported since the mid-1900s. That's crazy, because I knew that, I mean, we talked about it when we talked about Vangaloo, that water can play tricks on your eyes, light and water, the way that it can reflect and refract can really mess you up, but I had no idea it could do that. That's cool. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, magic. I oh, need a ghost ship. Why isn't this happening to me? So that is the Flying Dutchman. That's cool. I wish I were a Flying Dutchman. And by that, I mean a ghost ship. <laughs> I just picture you flying with some wooden clogs, clinking in the wind. Oh, this is what I always wanted. Oh, I lost a shoe. No. No. <laughs> Knock somebody on the head on the ground. <laughs> Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a 2021 all this interesting article titled The Mystery of the Flying Dutchman Explained by the Physics of Light by William DeLong. 2021 Marine Insight article titled Ghost Ship, The Mysterious Flying Dutchman by Shamsir Mambra. A 2018 history collection article titled The Truth Behind the Legends of the Flying Dutchman by Natasha Sheldon. 2014 Travel Ground article titled 11 South African Ghosts and Legends by Rosanna McBain, and a 2011 NPR article titled The Story of the Flying Dutchman, a Britannica article titled Flying Dutchman, and the Pirates fandom wiki titled Flying Dutchman. You said Roseanne or Rosanna, and my brain instantly went to that old SNL skit, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. <laughs> Endangered feces? Why are they endangered? Who wants to save the feces? I have no idea what's going on right now. Oh, it was Gilda Radner back in the day. Oh, she was yeah. funny. So I have a fun story that I wanted to add as like a, a bonus to this story. 
No, I need to drink something first. Because I saw this and I was like, I need to, I need to include this. <laughs> to close out our culinary tour of South Africa, I thought I would mention a unique spot that I discovered thanks to Atlas Obscura. In Limpopo, South Africa, there is a tree known as the Sunland Baobab, Baobab that is one of the largest of its kind in South Africa. It stands at 72 feet high, has a circumference of 155 feet, and is the widest of all the baobabs on the entire continent of Africa. That's so cool. This tree is also one of the oldest still living trees on Earth. It's an ant. I want to see it. It is estimated that the Sunland baobab is at least six thousand years old my god that's fucking cool putting it in the same age bracket as the sequoias of california one thing you may not know about the baobab trees is that they naturally hollow after around a thousand years what so the van heerden family who owned the land that the sunland baobab calls home created a small pub Inside the tree. Oh my God. That has 13 foot tall ceilings and can comfortably sit 15 people. Unfortunately, the trunk of this historic tree split and a third of it collapsed in April of 2016. So although the bar is still active in the spot, it is not in the best shape and neither is the tree, although it still stands. Yeah, it, because they're the way that they transport nutrients, it's not at the center of the tree. That's heartwood. That's not, I mean, most trees can live without that. They need the stuff at the edge to be able to send nutrients. So that makes sense. Probably oh, yeah. survive for a while like that. That's freaking cool. Yeah, I was like, A, this is cool because it's a tree. B, it's cool because it's a really old tree. And C, it's cool because it has a bar inside of it. <laughs> like I was just like, this has it all. You know what else is really cool? What? It was already 2,000 years old when the last woolly mammoth went extinct. Oh, my God. Because the last woolly mammoths went extinct 4,000 years ago on that uh, island out in Siberia. So it was already 2,000 years old when they went extinct. That's crazy. It knew the woolly mammoths, kind of. That's cool. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool and worth including. That is worth including. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I'm sad that we can't go hang out inside the tree because it's probably not safe. It's probably not very structurally sound. I don't want to die like crushed inside a pub. (laughs) She died doing what she loved, hanging out with trees. That's how hobbits go. (laughs) Crushed inside of a pub. Ouch. (laughs) Well, does anyone have something good they'd like to share? I do. Go for it. I have to pick. I have a couple good things. Okay, I'll pick one. Uh, So today, it was beautiful here in Erie. Like 80s, sunny, gorgeous. It's the most beautiful day we've had all year. And we were taking the boys out. We took them to the local campus and just let them ride their bikes around. We saw a baseball game going on from the, the college team. We were like, you know what? Let's check and see when our local minor league team starts their season. Well, it turned out they had just started uh, a game 
er, within like the last half hour, once we had decided to look at this, we're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take the boys to their first minor league baseball game ever. So we did just spur of the moment, took them out, gave them the whole nine yards, hot dogs, ice cream, popcorn, like the ice cream in the little baseball cap. Yep. A cup. <laughs> and uh, we got them baseball caps while we were there. They freaking loved it. My eldest was so into this. They had a great time and they let the kids run the bases at the end of the game, which I don't remember ever getting to do when I was a kid, but they had a fantastic time and it was just such a great day Mm -hmm. and it wasn't even planned. That's cool. It was fun. That's awesome. You got anything, Ash? Yeah. um, So I just signed the lease on my cool new apartment and it is inside of a building that was built in the 1700s and used to be a shoe factory. So so this is basically my dream come true. Well, okay. (laughs) It'd be my dream come true if I also had buckets of money and I could just buy the whole building. But you know, it's pretty close. It's as close as you can get when you don't have buckets of money. And How if, old is the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, and if Pedro Pascal was your next door neighbor. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. And if he came over and fed me pieces of chocolate, that'd be cool. And cheesy I pizza. Can, I can get you the exact year that it was built. Just give me one moment. We all know my short-term memory sucks now, but... Same. Ashley can be like hedonism bot and she'll just lay back on a couch and let Pedro Pascal <laughs> feed her cheese pizza. <laughs> Dude, just blow on it first. It doesn't like volcano its way into my mouth. <laughs> it was built in 17. Wait, no. Yeah, no, it was built in the 1760s. Damn. So it's older than our country officially is. Damn. That's freaking cool. And I'm living it, and there might be ghosts. And also, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Well, if it was a shoe factory, think about the beautiful conditions some of your shoes might be in when you wake up in the morning from all those cobbling <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it, like, I know people do, people who listen to this show don't know me that well, but like, if you could go around and pull a bunch of people who know me super well and be like what would be the perfect place for ashley to live they'd either be like a crypt of some sort or a shoe factory (laughs) because i if there's one thing that i love to spend my money on it's shoes (laughs) well then you nailed a lot of them i have a lot of them i'm not sorry (laughs) that's amazing when we uh we plan to come visit you soon, hopefully. I marked that off on my calendar, and I already told Joel, I'm not going to be here for that weekend. I'm going to go <laughs> see Ash. Oh, yeah. We're going to find some ghosts. We can probably have, like, a little gazebo picnic also. That would be awesome. There are some cool gazebos. I don't know. It's just going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We can slurp awesome. down hot dogs, dirty sausages. <laughs> I'm not going to have any sausage, but you can you can have some sausage. She'll have the chicken strips. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. Like, it's just cool. It's mm-hmm. just fucking cool. It's within walking distance of the Amtrak station. Oh, so nice. So, like, literally 
Similarly, if I just like randomly woke up one day and was like, I want to go somewhere else, I could just walk to the train station. That's awesome. Linz, if you come to Erie, we have an Amtrak station here in Erie. Maybe we could take a train there. <gasps> Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, my God. Literally, it's like a tenth of a mile. It's a two-minute walk. That would be amazing. Oh we should see how long <laughs> it takes to go from, from Erie to to Ashley on the Amtrak. I'll check. I'll check. Okay. It's probably faster than by car. Probably. Maybe. That's my dream. Okay. You sold me on it. <laughs> Hey, my something good is uh, I took Kona to a local doggy daycare slash boarding place this week to get like a temperament test. <laughs> Did she fail? Well, because we're going on vacation in July and I need a place that we can board her at oh, okay. for like a week. And I was super nervous because I was like, oh, my God, she's going to fail. She hasn't been socialized. Um, she did awesome. Oh, so good. she did so good. They said they were a little unsure at first because when she first got there and they were like introducing her to the rest of the like herd, uh, she like bared her teeth a little bit. So the other dogs were like, well, fuck you. I'm not going to hang out with you. But then as soon as they started walking away, she was like, no, 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 come back, friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, she was fine. So I'm really happy. And I'm going to start taking her a couple days a week for doggy daycare to kind of get her a little bit more socialized so that when July rolls around, it's not as big of a culture shock for her to like stay there for a week. Yeah. So, that's excited. good though. Yeah, I'm very happy because I was really freaking out about what we were going to do with Kona. So, huge weight off my shoulders. That'll be nice to know that you have that to fall back on if you maybe even just need a break here and there. Yeah, and it's something where I can very easily schedule a drop-off pickup day and just drop her off. And So, if we wanted to go somewhere for the full day on a Saturday and not worry about having to rush home to take care of her... We could do that. So nice. All right. Thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying some chilling urban legends. Pineapple Pizza Podcast, sweet and cheesy, and not everyone understands our awesomeness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark. <laughs>